are listening to community-supported Acaville Radio, streaming acapella around the clock at acaville.org. Acaville, leave the instruments at the door. At the top of the hour this hour, Casa gets a new president. In what was a surprise even to him, Tony Huerta was asked to become the new president of the board of CASA. You may know Huerta from his work with Impact, or on the sing-off with Urban Method, or perhaps his engineering work and his workshops. With his deep resume, he's a great choice to help the organization enter a new chapter. Tony has said that he's excited, even if he's not quite sure what he's gotten himself into. It appears there are more board changes ahead as CASA is advertising board openings for vice president, treasurer, secretary, and over a half dozen positions in all. So stay tuned. There's got to be more ahead. Hello, Acaville fans. Welcome to Tacapella. I'm your host, John Lampus, here on Acaville Radio's weekly talk show. Today, I am joined by the lovely Amanda Tran from C-Note, from Cami, and she is even going to be having a new segment on Tacapella after this episode. Amanda, thank you so much for coming on the show today. Of course. Thanks for having me. Dude, uh, what's going on in your acapella life now? Tell us, to tell, first off, for people who didn't hear you on your episode last year, tell us a little bit about yourself, your acapella history, career, and then uh, update us on what's going on with you now. Yeah, just a general overview. I was in Fermata Acapella, that's the University of Washington's co-ed group, from 2009 to 2013, and I've been their alumni advisor since then. We made it to the ICCA finals this year. Yeah. No big deal. Pretty cool. Um, since graduating undergrad, I started C-Note. It's a five-person co-ed group, and we do pop acapella. That's been pretty fun. Um, February, we released our second album, which happens to be a full-length LP, mm-hmm. and it includes two original songs, technically three, if you include, <laughs> our, if you include our interlude. So that was really exciting to hear all the good feedback on that. That's been really fun. And besides performing acapella, I also am a co-founder and co-director of the Contemporary Acapella Musicians Institute, and we focus on educational programming and events in the Pacific Northwest for acapella musicians. Boom. And for anyone who caught that, uh, Fermata used to also be known as the Huskies, uh, our good old Greg Starr, who does Greg's Take and has been on the show like four or five times now he was a part of that group and we talked a lot about it on um the episode two weeks ago and how the inner workings of auditions and how fun that was so um amanda tell us a little bit about cami i know we talked about it last year but uh i know you guys do a bunch of cool stuff and i just want to wrap my head around all the awesome uh, opportunities you offer to uh pacific northwest acapella groups Yeah, definitely. Um, So we officially became a 501c3 nonprofit org in July of 2015. Mm -hmm. So we're just a little bit over two years old now, officially. Mm -hmm. Um, But our main (laughs) our main focus is to educate and inspire and provide resources for acapella musicians in the Pacific Northwest. Um, Contemporary acapella has been around here, um, but the community itself has been very um, scattered and inconsistent. And we just wanted to find a way to really connect with everyone and have everyone have just have that sense of community and acapella. I know acapella is really strong in the sense of community, especially in the new England area and like SoCal where all the really active groups are. Um, But there's tons of acapella happening here. um, And we just really want the musicians to get to know each other, thrive off each other, learn from each other and just have opportunities to perform 
and learn from all the super talented people in this area. So we, the four of us, um, Matt and Isaiah, who were in Nauta Cantata, Central Washington University's mm-hmm. co-ed group, and Colin, who was in Western Washington University's all-male group. The four of us um, in undergrad, we had some concerts where we collabed with each other and we kind of picked our, <laughs> picked each other out as the really hype people in acapella. <laughs> and so we joined forces and created this organization. And since then, we've put on tons of educational events, um, entertaining events for the community, as well as performing at local festivals like Folk Life and putting on showcases to introduce the general public who aren't even connected to acapella to yeah. what acapella is. So that's been really fun. I think that's a really great point, especially that last part you said, because I think for a lot of non-acapella people, their only perception of the art sometimes is either their local groups, which is, you know, mm-hmm. pretty typical, and that kind of shapes their whole acapella world, or or their perception of the acapella world, or pitch perfect and pentatonics. Those are the, the yeah. double P's. That's like that is what they think the acapella world is, and so often they are not able to interact with like a tangible Uh, manifestation of it outside of those three things local groups pentatonics and pitch perfect so it's really good not just to show them like hey here's a performance but like hey here's what the world is outside of this kind of narrow viewpoint that if you're not in an acapella area like new england or like socal it can be you can get a really narrow viewpoint sometimes which which is unfortunate yeah it's super unfortunate about the same time it's really exciting that it has become mainstream because of Pitch Perfect or even Glee oh, yeah. and, and Pentatonics. And it's just like, if they didn't have that, they would have zero idea of mm-hmm. what acapella is. So it's kind of cool to be able to at least have that pop culture reference to kind of give them that platform and like, hey, yeah. this actually happens in real life. And this is how you can get involved. Even if you don't sing or perform, like there's so many ways to support acapella musicians and even just go to concerts and shows and be entertained by it. So yeah, I am really thankful that Pitch Perfect and Pentatonics exist because of that. What are some of the things, can you go through like specifically all the stuff that like Cami does? You mentioned collaborations, like hosting performances. I know you guys have uh, NWAC, which is really cool. So how, how does this all come about? How, what are all the things you guys do exactly? Yeah, so Anne Waff, the annual Northwest Acapella Festival, oh, is um, it, it actually started. I keep saying, what? did it used to be NWAC? It, it used to be NWAC. Okay. But we changed it. Cool. <laughs> <laughs> um, so it started, oh man, I want to say almost 10 years ago. Oh wow. My, my freshman year of college was the very first ANWAF ever. And wow. it was co-hosted by the leadership in the Western Washington groups and the Huskies at the time, mm-hmm. which is now Fermata. <laughs> and it happened in our union building on campus. And it was the very first time it had ever happened. We had maybe eight to 10 groups from all over the Pacific Northwest and we had no idea what we were doing, but we all came and performed a few songs for each other. And that was it. It was amazing. It was the first time I think we ever were able to meet other groups in the area. And it was just a really cool, really organic moment in the community where we're just like, hey, people are doing this around us. We should connect and learn from each other and perform for each other. Um, so since then, it's been hosted at a different university Um every single school year and Mm -hmm. the the university has taken, they've taken turns um, hosting it. And in 20, I think 2016, that was the first time that Cami kind of took over as an organization. Um, While it's really cool for universities to 
put on this event and just showcase their school and share the responsibility of hosting an event. As you know, if you've ever been in a college group or any type of group <laughs> team setting, um, everyone's a student first yep. and people are super busy. You don't have time to put together an elaborate event. And so we realized that as an organization, we, because we've had so much experience producing events, being in the event and just having all perspectives of the event, we were yeah. like, Hey, let's, let's just let, let us do it. And you guys can relax <laughs> and you can just come and have fun. Um, and so since then we've added workshops, we've added clinics, um, tons of icebreakers, arranging competitions, and it's kind of grown into more of a acapella festival that you might see like so jam yeah. or the la acapella festival all the really big festivals where you're able to incorporate an educational piece networking pieces as well as performance opportunities so it's been really cool to help grow the event and continue to grow the event um we're hoping to host it in oregon this year hey, for the first I'm time there. yeah when, when are so... you gonna host it and where it's definitely happening in April 2018. We're just working with the school right now to confirm the venue and time frame. So definitely April 2018, mark your calendar. <laughs> okay. Hey, uh, which um, which location is it going to be in exactly? Like what school? Um, we are currently working with OSU. Okay, cool. That's so, where my family went. That is literally where yeah. everyone in my family went, uh, Oregon State. Oh, nice. man. If it's in April. I'm still going to be in Colorado then, but... Uh, maybe I can hey, convince my trip. old oh, weekend God. trip. <laughs> That's that is a that is the weekend is the trip. Um, exactly. What all goes into planning a giant event like this? Because I've been hearing about NWAF. Did he? Okay. When did it switch from NWAF to NWAC? That's was it last um, year or two years ago? Typically last year, but we didn't announce it until this year. Um, gotcha. Because it was NWAC Annual Northwest Acapella, and then NWAC, and then festival tagged on. Gotcha. But the capella is, shouldn't have its own no, it should not. initial because it's one word. <laughs> yep. and we've been trying to fix it, but we just finally put our foot down and like we're changing it this year. It's happening. I think that's great. So <laughs> when you um, put something like this together, so are the groups at Oregon State that's uh, Power Chord, um, Outspoken, and Divine, are they like kind of helping host it as well or are they just kind of or are they kind of like MCs, or how does that kind of all how does this kind of function because this is such a cool exploration um and kind of um yeah a cool exploration of like a really fun acapella structure for a lot of people so i'm yeah, so curious about how it all works so as far as how cami is working right now with this specific event essentially cami is the one producing scheduling and just making the entire event happen when we reach out to a school that we want to work with, we're, we're usually asking them to help us kind of get a survey of what the campus is like, what kind of spaces would be best, um, and really just be the liaison, like the student liaison for yeah. the event. And it's a lot of, most of the work will be happening like um, beforehand as far as like marketing and like making sure people in their campus area is aware that it's happening so they can come enjoy yeah. the concert. Um, but also just being a really cool um, per local person for when the visiting groups come in and and just being a welcoming piece to them, helping yeah. them um, come into the event, check in, registration, all that kind of stuff, and just making sure that they're having the best time possible 
in that area of the school. Definitely. I'm going <laughs> to yeah. tell my OSU friends who aren't in acapella that they have to go. And um, yeah, so sure. how do you choose which groups uh, get to come from the people out from the groups outside of Oregon State? Because yeah, the Timbermen at the University of Puget Sound and Tacoma, mm-hmm. Washington, I'm trying yeah. to get them to go. Yeah, they totally should. Um, we've had the most diversity in groups this last ANWAC, ANWAF, <laughs> technically. Um, so we had a group from Montana and we had a group from Oregon. And I think we, have a, we had a group from Idaho as well. So that nice. was the most diversity in groups we've ever had. All the previous years have been just all Washington groups. So yeah. we're trying to reach out to as many groups as possible. Obviously, we're here to um, really focus on the Pacific Northwest, but anyone and everyone is welcome in acapella. So we really want to foster that. Yeah. Did they just send you an email saying like, Hey, we want to, we want to do this or how does that, yeah. how does that work? So we, op- we, when we announced the date and the location of the event, we also opened the registration for the event. And so, um, previously we have done like a first come first serve as far as registration goes. Mm-hmm. Um, but also keeping in mind that we want the concert, um, lineup to also be as diverse as possible. Yeah. Whether that is, um, the group makeup of the group, um, the style that the groups perform in and all that kind of stuff is taken into consideration. Um, but at the heart of it, it is first come first serve just because we started the event wanting it to be a community event and not necessarily competition. Yeah. All of the really big festivals around the U S are centered around one really big competition mm-hmm. along with the workshops and the clinics and stuff. Uh, but we really wanted ANWAF to be, um, a community building event. And so, it's not a competition. We still want to produce a really quality concert for mm-hmm. ourselves and also anyone coming out from the community to watch. Um, but at the same time, it isn't a competition. So we want to make sure we are as inclusive as possible. Absolutely. So what would you say is the ultimate goal when you're done with this year's or technically next year's NWAF at the end mm-hmm. of the festival? What do you want to have had happened? What is the ultimate goal? Like, when you're walking away, when you're heading back up to Seattle, like what are the things you want to say, wow, this really worked out well, or wow, I'm glad this happened. What What's the ultimate kind of essence that you're going for? Yeah, I mean, at the heart of it, we really want the groups attending to have a really good time and have a really cool learning experience. Um, a lot of the groups, they don't really have much exposure to other acapella groups or other people that are in the industry. And so having this event, having them able just to connect with other people and see what other people are doing around the their region or even around the the nation is really a really cool opportunity because some of these schools are really far out and they don't really have the ability to like reach out to these people yeah. and so having like a national nationally ranked beatboxer or a really like famous soloist come in and like talk to them and help them clinic and all that kind of stuff is a really cool opportunity for them and we just want them to come away feeling like they've learned something or gained a new connection. Um, And the whole, I guess the whole purpose of ANWAF is to create those opportunities and create those moments, but also it's, we're kind we're helping them become a more um, grounded and established group. We don't want the same. It would be awesome if all the same groups came back all the time, but then we just start accumulating groups. We kind of want this to be like what they've gone to. Yeah. We want, them to come to two or three or maybe five AMLOFs and feel like they've just learned so much. And then we're able to take in new groups and kind of like give them the foundation to start a really cool um, history for their groups. So I don't know. It's a cool, like, 
I don't know, collective, yeah, like startup situation where we like give them all the tools to be a really great group, and hopefully they learn from that and are able to pass it on to their peers in the region and the area and continue to grow and evolve from there. Absolutely, I think evolve is a really good term because, uh, like I mentioned before, sometimes it can get. Um, you know, we can get a little divided, not because of like animosity or anything, but acapella communities just won't be as connected because of distance and whatnot. And even with social media and even with all, you know, places like Acaville and everything else, it can still be hard to connect groups together and connect ideas and different ways of envisioning acapella. I know, um, and I've talked about this before, uh, I started um, technically last year, but really this year, a large guys acapella group here at Colorado State called Mountain Horns. And my kind of perception of how a large tenor bass acapella group works was based on the tenor bass groups I have seen and the ones I've been exposed to, which has been good because I have a model and I have some resources. But with something like NWAF, like I can see how the others function. Like, okay, how do you deal with auditions from a large tenor bass group position? How do you deal with selecting rep? All this stuff that I think uh, mm-hmm. they're the opportunities you guys offer to just expose everyone to different ideas and different ways of framing and conceptualizing how an acapella group functions and exists. So that's yeah. what I think is it's it's a melting pot thing is what I kind of understand NWAF to be, mm-hmm. which I think is so great that you guys um, have this really strong like community building thing because while stuff like iccas and the open and everything are super fun for like hey let's compete and just see who's really good this is like this is the stuff that allows groups to take those steps forward so at competitions or even at home they make a bigger impact this is what allows groups to grow these kind of events and to um really kind of view themselves through different lenses and view other Mm -hmm. groups through their own lens and figure out okay how are we existing in a sense? How are we running this group? Yeah. How are we functioning? Exactly. And that's really important to me, what I'm really passionate about as far as how groups work, especially mm-hmm. in the collegiate setting. You're always going to have great musicians. You're always going to have really great directors, really great arrangers. But in the sense of a collegiate group, these people are going to go in and out. Um, you're always going to have really great talent. But if you don't have a strong foundation organizationally, yeah. it's not going it's not going to last. Yep. And I see that happening a lot with, especially with um, having been in Formata, involved in Formata for so long. Like there's good talent every single year. There's mm-hmm. so many talented people out there, but if you don't have a strong foundation of how the group runs and how it works, how you, all the tiny little details that are needed to run a functioning organization, it's not going to last. And that's what I've been really trying to um, instill in the group and hopefully um will last for the long run like we put a lot of work and time and passion into this and like we all love it for the same reason but if you're not able to also have that organizational side it's the legend will not (laughs) it will not it will not go on and i really want it to so events like um anwaf are able to give um people that attended this toolbox Mm -hmm. and that you can take whatever you want and need from it and apply it to whatever um scenarios your group is in because every group is different um, for whatever reason. And we just want to provide as much information and as much resources as possible so they can take whatever they want and need from it. And hopefully we'll succeed from that. Absolutely. I can, <laughs> think, of, <laughs> I can think of no better way to wrap up this talk about NWAF. Yeah. It's it's super fun. And if you are listening, mm-hmm. you should all go to it. I'm going to try to see if my group, uh, the Colorado State Mountain Horns, can make it out. Um, we might have to just hitchhike for, like, we'll start walking now 
or something yes, we'll make it perfect. there by uh by april 2018 so amanda thanks so much for giving <laughs> us a little insight into all for of sure. that we're gonna be right back here on talk Apollo. we're gonna hear a little bit more about amanda's own personal experiences with her group c-note and we're gonna be right back this time will with you this ain't the honeymoon past the infatuation phase right in the thick of love at times we get sick of loving it seems like we argue every day i know i've misbehaved and you made your mistakes and we both still got room left to people we don't know which way to go we're just ordinary people maybe we should take it slow take it slow this time we'll take it slow take it slow This ain't the movies, no No fairy tale conclusion, y'all It gets more confusing every day Sometimes it's heaven said Then we head back to hell again We kiss and we make up on the way I hang up, you call We rise and we fall And we feel like it's walking
You're listening to community-supported Acaville Radio, streaming acapella around the clock at acaville.org. Acaville, the only place where drums are replaced by boots and cats. Hey everyone, I'm Michael Wingate, and I'm back with another beatboxing tutorial for Talkapella this week. This week, I'm going to be going over TKs and that technique and how to use it and how a beginner can begin to use that to step up their hi-hat game a little bit. So TKs are a widely known technique in the um, in the beatbox realm. Uh, it's a way to have faster hi-hats. So um, I'm sure you know, but if you don't know what hi-hats are, they are the little subdivision symbols that go in between beats. So those are hi-hats. So those are hi-hats. Um, the problem is when there are beats that involve very fast hi-hats, like when they when they go very fast um, using the regular technique by just saying the letter T and taking the vocal out of it. Uh, when you try to do that very fast, it sometimes gets sloppy and you um, you overextend and they just fall off. So there is a technique uh, called TKs, and it's a way to to offset that and make it a lot easier. So instead of doing just straight T's the whole time, so instead of going, instead you substitute a very uh, slight K sound for every other T. So. That is a very slight K sound. And then you substitute that for every other T. So by having that offset and taking the pressure off, you're able to really make it a lot faster and it's and it's a lot easier to uh, have success with that rather than just using T's the whole time and uh, probably tripping over yourself. So instead of you can go that is way easier and it's definitely a technique that you can use to put more subdivisions in your beats and stuff like that um, and it works wonders um, so yeah definitely um, keep messing around with that experiment with that see what you can do you can also like you know, change the patterns like So yeah, you can uh, you can keep experimenting. So that's another little technique that I wanted to show off this week. It's kind of like in between beginner and intermediate. It's not really an advanced technique, but it's definitely more than beginner. So I kind of wanted to start introducing that a little bit. So uh, thanks for listening, everyone, and be sure to tune in to Talkapella next week. See ya. And welcome back to Talkapella. Hello, everybody. We just listened to a little bit of Michael Wingate talking all about beatboxing in his Beatbox Corner episode. And we're going to take a quick second here to remind you all that Amanda Tran, our guest today, is going to have her own little segment as well on the show, which is super fun. Amanda, can you tell us a little bit about your new segment that's going to be coming next episode? Yeah, so I titled it Notable Coverage, 
in the spirit of puns in the acapella world <laughs> um one of my favorite things in acapella listening is trying to find all of the versions of every song that is being covered because for some reason everyone always covers the one song yeah every, there, every season there's always one song that everyone does yeah and i just love trying to take them apart and finding all the best versions of that one song and so that is the gist of notable coverage yeah it's gonna be super fun i think it's gonna be what positioned in the like either the first or the second break so we'll have that'll bring us to a total of three uh special segments each week with michael wingate's beatbox corner amanda's notable coverage and then our own greg stars uh greg's take so that's it's gonna be super fun it's gonna diversify up what we're all talking about on the show and give everyone a taste of different stuff beatboxing uh, comparing songs and then just standard questions. So uh, that's super fun. And Amanda, I'm so glad you agreed to uh, to host it. It's gonna be it's gonna be a really fun time, and I think it's gonna draw even more viewers in. Okay, so Amanda, you are in a group called C Note, and that's C like Seattle, S E A, not C like the yeah. letter. <laughs> yes. Uh, can you just tell us a little bit about that group? I know a good amount about it. I have your uh, first album, I think, and I know we have it on uh, Akaville, and we it gets get some good airtime but tell us a little bit about the history of the group and what you're all about yeah so c-note um kind of formed from my love of acapella obviously um mm-hmm. but i was graduating undergrad and i was like oh i need to do acapella still i'm not done with this stage in my life still i'm not done with it <laughs> <laughs> um but we're a five-person group we're co-ed it's me lucy isaiah michael and shahir and four of us we're in Fermata Acapella, and Shahir was in Awaz, who's also mm-hmm. a co-ed group on campus at UW, but they do um, Bollywood fusion music with pop. That's so great. So I, I want to interview someone from that group. Oh, my God. Well, maybe I can get Shahir on here. Please. He's, please, he's please, hilarious. Please. Great. <laughs> um, we had a, um, a joint concert on campus one year, and I saw him beatboxing with Awaz, and I was like, oh, shoot, he needs to be in my group. Mm-hmm. And I happened to be beatboxing at that concert too. So I messaged him and he was like, oh, you're the one girl that beatboxed. And so we had a really <laughs> cool moment where we were like, yeah, we both beatbox. And that was history. That's when we became a group. So that was the spring of 2013 when we kind of formed the idea. Mm-hmm. Um, but we didn't have this roster until January of 2014. And for some crazy reason, we were like, hey, we should do Harmony Sweepstakes, which was in three months at that point. <laughs> <laughs> so we put together a 10 minute set that we learned in two and a half months fully choreographed and we nice. became the 2014 harmony sweepstakes pnw champions i don't Hell know oh yeah it was a whirlwind that's amazing it was crazy and we went to nationals that year and we placed third nationally and that was actually the same year that's that great. Woman, woman of the world won who actually oh, just wow. won yep. the aka open the very first aka open so it's been crazy um meeting all these incredible musicians along the way in this journey and yeah um we released our first ep that year as well in 2014 was a crazy year for us sounds like (laughs) we did our vocal static ep a couple years this february we did our full length transitions lp yeah um and tons of random concerts and shows since then we also did a west coast tour last year so it's been crazy (laughs) it's crazy but it sounds really freaking enjoyable so um what are you all up to now? What's what's the light kind of the the day to day C note uh, curriculum, or what are you what what are you all doing in the present day? Yeah, so the five of us are pretty much in it for the long haul. Whether we're 
in or out of hiatus. Um, all five of us are, I just finished grad school this year. Congratulations. Lucy's, thank you. Lucy's in med school. Isaiah's working on his PhD. Michael and Shahir are working full-time as well and working on their startups and doing mm-hmm. video gaming commendations. So we all oh, have our Oh my gosh, own. I want to talk to them about that then because yeah. that sounds awesome. He's got tons of subscribers. One time we logged in as anonymous users and just like talked to him. It was really funny. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, so we all have very different um, walks of life and different career goals and just different life goals in general. But somehow I and C-Note um, get us together and create songs every now and then. So we've kind of come to the point where we're pretty much locked in. We're never. We're not auditioning ever again. Mm-hmm. Um, we're just stuck with the five of each other, and whether or not how active we are, we'll come back every now and then and just create songs. And so, right now, we're kind of in a lull just because everyone's super busy. But we mm-hmm. are attempting a DIY recording project. Okay, we tell also, me about that. Yeah. So our full length album. At some point a year or so ago, we're like, "Hey, we should do the whole album ourselves." Mm-hmm. A few months into it, we're like, "This is never going to happen. We don't have time, <laughs> <laughs> all the skills and knowledge to make this happen in a timely manner." So we ended up working with uh, George Whitaker. He has a studio, Mosaic Music, in Washington. Mm-hmm. He actually just relocated to LA. So if you're in LA and hey, need recordings, definitely hit up George. He's amazing. Um. But so, yeah, we decided to work with him and it came out awesome. We love it. Um, but this time around, we're doing a couple singles on our own DIY. We're going to be <laughs> tracking. Fun fact, all of the albums that Sino has done has been tracked in. Well, almost all of it was tracked in my room or in home nice. studios. So, <laughs> yeah, we're going to try to do that again, but on our own. And we'll see how it goes. Michael has been practicing recording and mixing some of Formata's stuff. So hopefully you can hear some of their stuff as well um, in the mm-hmm. next couple months. Um, but yeah, if all goes as planned, you may hear a couple of new songs from us that may or may not be seasonally themed in December. Ooh, yeah. I like that idea. Mm-hmm. Uh, so what, what prompted you to try and do this all by yourself? Besides, obviously, you know, money and not having to yeah. pay a bunch so yeah what what kind of led to hey we should do this recording itself is really expensive obviously as most musicians and groups know yeah. um, so that's a big part but also we just wanted to test our chops out see what we can do um i think musically we all have a really good idea of how we want to be presented as far mm-hmm. as like our sound aesthetic and so that's not really an issue it's just a matter of um, making those ideas come to life <laughs> in a recording. Yeah. Um, Michael is probably the biggest hand in this situation. Um, he has been practicing a lot. And so he also wants to kind of test the waters and see what he can do. Um, but music wise, I think all of us individually are able to kind of vocalize and really represent, show how we want to represent ourselves through recording. And so yeah. we want to see what we can do on our own. Yeah, I think that I think that makes a lot of sense because we all talk about you know what we were talking about earlier, like group foundations and uh, strong mm-hmm. sense of culture and whatnot. And I, I think one of the best ways to do that, obviously, you know, it's different when you're not when you're a post collegiate group versus an undergraduate group. But mm-hmm. I think expanding beyond just we learn music and we perform it, expanding to, uh, hey, we like create our 
we create our own sound and we create our own albums. Like that's, mm-hmm. that's a really strong foundation to be on. Yeah. Like it makes you guys seem more legit to be honest. If I met a group like, yeah, we perform and we arrange our own stuff and we do our, all our own original tunes or we do a bunch of original tunes and we record ourselves. Like that is the definition of like an independent ensemble and one that can really stand on its own and get stuff done. I think, I think that's a great, uh, great thing for you, a great undertaking for you guys to be, uh, to be uh, trying to get done. Yeah, definitely. And I feel like since we've been a group in January 2014, like we've evolved into this group and sound that people are are able to recognize with. Like, that's so cool. Like a lot of people in the community are like, oh, that's so like, that's so C-note. Like that's totally (laughs) something C-note would do. And like hearing that is just like the coolest thing. Because I feel like, especially in acapella, like acapella itself is, just a way of performing. It's not necessarily a genre. Um, mm-hmm. One of my really good friends that I met through acapella, actually, he was talking about acapella like jazz. Like mm-hmm. you do a jazz version of a song. That's just a way of doing a song. Like jazz musicians do covers all the time yeah. and interpret it in their own way and arrange it in their own way. Like we're acapella musicians. We're doing, we're interpreting the music in our own way. And so for somebody to come up and say, it was like, that was so C note, such a cool set. It sounded just like C note. I'm like, that's like the coolest thing you could ever hear Absolutely. as someone trying to do acapella. <laughs> so um, recording in itself is its own art form, and I feel like we've got a pretty a general generally good grasp of how we um, sound as a group, and hopefully we can translate that into the recording setting. Absolutely. What are some of the what are the main challenges that and things you have to overcome that you're you're kind of predicting as you go into this process? Well, the biggest challenge for C note specifically is just scheduling. Yeah. <laughs> um, as you know, scheduling any group, um, especially college groups, is insane yeah. with class schedules. But try, trying to schedule five twenty something professionals who are also all in grad school is yeah. very difficult. Like, the recording itself, like, once we get in there, like, most of us, like, we can figure out how, how we're going to sing it and record it how we want it. Um, mm-hmm. But all the logistics stuff, which I love planning and scheduling stuff, so it's totally fine. Um, but, yeah, we're all just really busy people. Everyone's busy. But that's the biggest challenge for us, <laughs> honestly. <laughs> um, yeah. So I'm excited to see how it goes, what we can make out of it. Yeah. What about when you are in the record in i guess your room are you going to do it in your room again i I think so has really good acoustics yeah it sounds like it (laughs) and i have a ton of i have a ton of foam in here right i I makes it look makes it look legit (laughs) yep i i had to go out uh because i'm in a new apartment that i was when we uh when you were on an episode last year and i just Mm -hmm. went out and got a bunch of just like foam and just put it all around my desk where i'm recording and that helps yeah a ton um so so if there are five of you and you're all singing, like, then do you like all sing and then do you all go listen to it and you go back and forth? Because I know in like the very few times I've done some kind of recording thing, yeah, you know, there's there's someone at the computer listening and, you know, mm-hmm. telling, oh, do this, do this, do this. And the group is just always kind of in, they're in their performance mode. It's just like, we're just trying to get every note right. And it sounds like you kind of, to to do this, you have to split your attention between how you are performing it and how that sounds through the recording and analyzing that recording. Yeah. I don't know if I'm about to answer your question or not, but there's tons of ways <laughs> to record acapella. Mm-hmm. Um, one way is if you want to go for a more live sound, a less edited situation, um, usually the entire group will just sing around 
at the same time, yeah. like a few mics to get that live sound, like a really polished concert hall situation. Um, for Sino, we don't really want to go with that sound. We want a more like the clean studio sounding. And with five people, it's a lot easier to manage that. So we all actually track individually separately. Yes. We never, we're never performing at the same time. Yeah. So to get the cleanest sound possible, we usually, um, all of our arrangements are done. We actually use note flight, which is really cool because it's a collaborative arranging space. Um, and then we just pull the minis from that and we actually record to the MIDI and a tr- like a click track just to make sure that we're as precise yeah, as possible. Um, and that makes it a lot easier for the editing process afterwards. Um, but the, for the past two albums, they've both been really rushed. We actually recorded each album in two days, which oh, is wow. pretty insane in the scheme of things when you think about groups who like spend months, maybe yeah. even years on recording stuff. So that's mainly just because we don't have time together to like spend that much time artistically. And I think considering the, um, considering the situations, like they came out really well, considering we did it in two days. And, um, but with that, having two days doesn't really give us the opportunity to really explore more creative, um, opportunities throughout the recordings as yeah. far as like how we perform it, um, any moments we want to create within the recordings, all that kind of stuff. And so with this, with this DIY thing coming up, I'm really excited to have a bigger hand as far as like producing it goes, just because, Mm -hmm. um, I'm a super, um, critical music listener. I love a ton of indie bands and like, I'm always like looking for new artists, but I also love a ton of pop. So I have really, I love listening to production and how all that works. And so I really am excited to have a bigger hand in the production process and how each note is going to be performed, how we want to convey our emotions in this section of the song, dynamics and all that kind of stuff. A lot of stuff that we were not able to really dive into in the first two albums. Just because of time and resources Mm -hmm. and whatnot. That makes a ton of sense. So when like you're in there and Mm -hmm. you have a note flight going on. So are you like hearing, you're hearing the MIDI track in like your ears and you're singing along to that? Yep, I think that's I think that's smart. That's honestly the only way to go. If you're if you're looking to get a clean pop sounding recording, yeah. that's the only way you're going to be able to do it. Um, yeah. A lot of groups will track to themselves, but humans are not accurate. <laughs> so <laughs> you can leave that to the editing process afterwards. Just get the cleanest take as possible, and you can worry about it later. Yeah, I'm wondering is because when I I mean we like quote, Timberman, my undergrad group, we like quote unquote kind of recorded with. Uh, someone who didn't really know what they were doing, frankly. Um, but like, I, I, I always wondered, is there some kind of stigma by any means of like singing along to a MIDI as opposed to like, no, you should do it all like like yourself or whatever and like all natural or whatever without any like, you know, because when we perform, obviously we are performing a cappella and we don't yeah. have any kind of backing or any kind of pitch thing to uh, tune to. We're mm-hmm. tuning with each other. So I'm wondering, do you think there's any kind of stigma with that? Because uh, to me, I think I think the MIDI makes a lot of sense. You're trying to do a recording. You're trying to make it super clean. And it's not, to me, it becomes less, it's not as much of a, a skill thing by any means. Mm-hmm. And it's more just a, like, we are in this situation and we know we can sing this in tune, but because we are in, we have a certain amount of time we have a certain amount of resources and we are human and we're going to get tired and we don't have the yeah. resources to record this for like, you know, six months where each day we're working on like another 16 bar measure that we're just going to perform <laughs> yeah. over and over. Um, like what, what's your opinion on all that? Yeah. I mean, I kind of mentioned it before, but there's to me an acapella, 
the two extremes are you want a live recording versus you want something that sounds like pentatonics. Yep. <laughs> and we're obviously going towards more the pentatonic side because whenever we perform live, like it's going to sound like us, but performed live, like we don't want to hear that live version on an album because we've already heard it on stage. So yeah, it's, I feel like it's two completely different versions. Like you're going to hear us do the song live, but then listening to it on the album, is going to be a different experience. It's going to be a different artistic take on that song because it's a good way to put a it. Recording is just a different format of presenting that piece of art. And so I, we, the, for the first EP, we worked with the vocal company and they actually like suggested that we do it with, the MIDI tracks. I'm like, yeah, that totally makes sense. Because mm-hmm. the producer that we worked with, he was like, yeah, I recorded this large group and they just did it all live around a couple mics and they wanted it to, to sound like studio, but they just insisted on doing it as a full group. And like, you're going to get a lot, like a live concert sounding recording, regardless of how you edit it in yeah. that recording setting. And so we, for our recordings, we wanted to make it sound like it's clearly in the studio. Yeah. Not to the extent where like we couldn't do it live because they pretty much sound almost the same live mm-hmm. without like the crazy effects and stuff like that. But yeah. No, it's, it makes a lot of it's sense. It's a matter of preference. Like if you want to sound live, you should do it that way. If you want to sound clean like PTX, you should do it the other way. <laughs> Agreed. And is there, um, you know, I don't know a t- the most I know about like audio work is just really from doing this show. Do you ever have to worry about like the, the mics you're singing into picking up the MIDI track. Cause that's what I'd imagine would be like um, really yeah. tricky. Cause I've, I know sometimes I'm recording this and I have my headphones in and I'm speaking into a mic and sometimes yeah. my microphone will pick up like the faint sound of what the other person is saying through the headphones. Headphones. Yeah. So at least for this, our most recent album transitions, when we worked with George, he is like an audio guru. He actually, his first recording acapella ever was with 2020 right before us so this is only his second time ever recording acapella he's super um he's an incredible engineer and producer as far as like instrumental like rock pop any band situation goes but we were only his second acapella group ever and we were the first group he worked with that did it with midi tracks um and he knows i don't know very much about audio almost zero (laughs) if you compare it to what george was able to do um but he act we actually spent the first couple hours of our recording sessions um matching everyone with their own mic so he kind of like analyzed like our voice quality um our highs and lows and all that kind of stuff when we i think all of us recorded on a different kind of mic actually oh okay fun fact isaiah recorded on the same kind of mic that Beyonce recorded with nice so that's kind of cool that is very cool (laughs) um but we didn't have he didn't have any issues as far as that goes um I'm sure he did something I don't know yeah I'm just wondering like because I always worry about like you know feedback loops or something getting picked up that I don't want picked up because that Mm -hmm. my instinct was oh you can't do you can't listen to midis because the mics will pick that up but hey if it works that I think that's a great foundation to use in recording for sure. Boom. Sweet. So that is going to just about wrap it up for this episode of Tacapella. We are going to be right back and you're going to hear all about where you can hit up Amanda and myself. And we are going to be right back. Pass me by one summer day. Flash those big brown eyes of my way. And know I wanted you forevermore. Maybe I'm not one that gets around. Swear my feet stuck to the ground. And though I never did meet you before. I said, hello, Mary Lou. Goodbye, hi. Goodbye, hi. I said, 
sweet Mary Lou, I'm so in love with you. I'm in love with Mary Lou. I knew Mary Lou. Then we we'd never part, so hello Mary Lou. Goodbye heart, goodbye heart. Saw you inside the door, I just had no choice but I'm so in love with you. I'm in love with Mary. I knew Mary Lou. We never part. We never part. So hello, Mary Lou. Goodbye, heart. Goodbye, heart. Hello, Mary Lou. I'm in love with you. Yes, hello, Mary Lou. Goodbye, heart. Listening to community supported Acaville Radio, streaming acapella around the clock at acaville.org. Acaville, the only place where drums are replaced by boots and cats. And welcome back to Talk Acapella, Acaville Radio's weekly talk show. I'm your host, John Lampus, and I've had the privilege today of talking with the lovely Amanda Tran of C Note and Cami. Amanda, we've talked a bunch today about uh, your independent group, post-collegiate group, uh, recordings, and all about like building acapella community and structure and group growth. Um, and it's been super fun. Uh, we just talked a ton about do-it-yourself recordings. If there is one piece of advice you could give to acapella groups who want to make their own album by themselves, how, what, what, what would you say? Yeah, my very, very first piece of advice is to know your music front to back. Mm -hmm. Um, a lot of people who have never been in a recording situation, even if you do know your music really well and you get in the studio, people get nervous and you freeze up and you don't know what to do in the booth. So the best thing you can do to prepare yourself is know your music as well as possible and how you want to portray it emotionally, dynamically and all that kind of stuff. That makes a bunch of sense. Sweet. So that is pretty much going to wrap it up for Tacapella today. Amanda, if people want to get a hold of you or see or see what you're all about, uh, how could they do that? Yeah, I'm pretty much everywhere on the internet. You can at Amanda Tran Rocks. That's Amanda Tran R-O-C-K-S. If you want to find and learn more all about Cami and our events, you can find us at cami-nw.org. We actually have a holiday concert coming up on December 15th happening in West Seattle featuring a ton of PNW groups performing holiday music or season. That stuff. sounds so fun. Now, yeah. quick question. Mm-hmm. December 15th is the day that Star Wars The Last Jedi comes out. How are you going to deal with competing with the biggest movie of the yeah, year? Yeah, I'm thinking concert <laughs> and then like midnight showing. I think That's, that is a great It's a idea. perfect night, right? Yes. <laughs> I, I mean, it doesn't get much better than Star Wars and acapella. Awesome. And then everyone, if you want to get a hold of me, you can find me on Twitter and Instagram at John Lampus. And you can also find the station at Acaville Radio everywhere. Twitter, Instagram, uh, I don't know. There's some app called Vero now. I don't know what that is. There's a bunch of there's a bunch there's of stuff. There's an Acaville app. There, oh, there's an. Oh, I have yeah, it on my an, phone. There's an Acaville <laughs> app. Absolutely, check that out. I use that all the time because you know what's so cool about it. You can listen to just like 
a tune or whatever, and then you can see where you can buy it on iTunes, which is so much fun. That's that's my favorite part of it. Uh, Amanda, thanks again for coming on the show. It's been so fun to have you on again, and I'm so excited for your new segment, Notable Coverage, to be taking off in what a week a week from yes yeah. a week from the, when this episode airs it's going to come on so that's going to be so cool we'll have two we'll have two fermata uh, alumni uh kind of um behind the scenes on that and it's going to be so yeah. much fun thank We're you take it over <laughs> yeah hey i'm fine with it it's it's less work for me makes the <laughs> mm-hmm. show better it's great so everyone keep it tuned to talk Capella to hear the ins and outs of acapella from michael wingate on his beatbox corner amanda tran on notable coverage and greg star on greg's take the show is growing and it's getting pretty fun if you want to be on an episode of talk Capella, if you have an idea for a topic want to recommend something or if you have a question you want greg to answer in greg's take if you have a song you want amanda to dissect that there are a bunch of versions of or if you want michael to answer hey how do i make this sound hit us up tweet us at Ockaville radio and we will respond and we'll get it on the show we promise thanks everyone for tuning into this week's episode of talk Capella. amanda thank you so much for coming on the show once again i'm so excited to have you on regularly and for everything acapella stay tuned <laughs> You're listening to community-supported Acaville Radio, streaming acapella around the clock on our app, on TuneIn Radio, and online at acaville.org. And welcome back to Acapella. This is Greg's Take, the newest addition to your acapella diet. So this week we have two questions that we will be diving into, and the first one creates kind of a conundrum, as you'll see, because this question is, how do I find music for my group if I have no money and no arranging skills? So that does definitely pose a pretty clear challenge. I'd say it would depend on how large your group is, because if your group is large enough, I would say try and use whatever connections any member of your group might have, because it could be the case that someone in your group knows a person who can arrange music or knows of some arrangements that could be done and might not be that expensive to get the rights to. If you have a smaller group, it is more of a challenge, but I would say the best thing you can do is to start small and maybe start with only a couple of songs. The website Better Acapella definitely has some material and you can probably find some arrangements that are not too expensive because there are some people who write really professional arrangements and will probably ask for a decent amount of money for one of their arrangements, but there are some who won't ask for quite as much. Their arrangements might be simpler, they might be for fewer parts, and so I'd say keep an eye out for those um, less expensive arrangements which you can find, and especially if you have a larger group, if everyone just pitches in a little bit, you should be able to afford a few arrangements. Um, If you are on a college campus, the easiest way to secure some funding would be to make your acapella group a club and different college campuses have different rules about that but often that is a way in which you can get some funding for your group especially if you can verify that you're using that funding for music and not for you know personal endeavors but it is definitely a challenge to find music if you're just getting started um, with a new acapella group and if no one in your group can arrange So those are just a few tips for how to make things a little bit easier. So the next question is a little bit of a doozy. It's how do you deal with drama within the group? 
So just like any group of people, you know, not everyone is going to see eye to eye. So drama is bound to happen, especially in larger groups where there are going to be many different perspectives and many different views on which direction the group should be moving in, musically and otherwise. And I think the most important thing when dealing with um, drama inside a group is making sure that everyone feels heard, because that's often one of the reasons for drama. A lot of people in the group might feel as though they have their own vision, they have their own goals, and they just feel completely invisible. They feel like they're not even part of the group. And so making sure that everyone has a chance to say how they feel and speak their mind, even if not everyone else in the group is going to agree. I think people want to be heard. They want to feel as though their, their opinion matters and they are an important part of the group. And so I think one good way of dealing with drama, if the group knows it exists, if you know that you know not everyone is agreeing, that there's some tension in the group, the best thing to do is to kind of get everyone together and sit down and talk about what you all want for the group, what your vision for the group is, and see if you can find some agreement, see if you can find some unifying goals for your group. And I think you might find that members of your group, even if there is some tension, even if there are some disagreements, that people in your group probably agree on a lot more than you imagine. And it might just be some, some of the specifics, like what specific songs you're doing, Maybe there are some disagreements there. Maybe there's some disagreements about which genre you do more of. But I think often the disagreements are about the details more than larger scale goals. If it is the case that there are larger disagreements, you know, massive differences in what people see as the goals of the group, it's important to know that. And I think it's really helpful to have those times when everyone in the group can sit down and talk about what their view of the group is and how they think the group should go forward. And I think just giving everyone the opportunity to be heard is extremely helpful because then no one feels ignored, no one feels as though they don't matter. And as I said earlier, that's often what leads to a lot of the drama that you see in groups. You know, certain people feel as though only person A or person B matters, and person A and person B, they get to make all the decisions. And it's really important you know, the, to emphasize the group aspect of an acapella group and to make every individual aware of their role and aware of the fact that they matter. And so even if you don't suspect that there's any drama, you know, it might not be immediately apparent. So I think it's still helpful, even if things seem to be going great, to take some time every now and then to sit down and just, you know, remind each other what the group goals are and talk about, you know what you want for the group, what everyone wants for the group, and wants the group to be doing. Well, that wraps up this week's segment of Greg's Take. If you have a question you would like me to discuss on this segment, feel free to email me at gastarr at seattleschools.org, and perhaps your question will be featured on next week's segment. But until then, take some time to listen to acapella. Live in my house I'll be your shelter Just pay me back With one thousand kisses Be my lover Just be my lover I'll cover you Open your door I'll be your tiny Don't got much baggage To lay at your feet My sweet kisses I've
they meant it When they said you can't buy love Now I know you can rent it A new lease, you are my love On life, be my love I long to discover Oh, lover, I'll cover you.